Hello and welcome to the Impact Podcast from us at Impact Wales. We're Finn and Jane and every week we'll be bringing you the best professional learning to help you make an impact in your school. And our conversation guest today is Dr Kevin Smith, Senior Lecturer in Education at Cardiff University. Welcome Kevin. Thank you, it's great to be here. And Kevin has been involved with working with pioneer schools at the early stages of development of Curriculum for Wales. Um, and we wanted to talk to you today about curriculum making and curriculum theory. And um, we feel, we just yeah. say this from the outset, we feel a little bit nervous talking to you <laughs> because we recognise that you have so much more understanding and knowledge of curriculum theory, curriculum theorising. We're, we're hoping that we're kind of um, the bit in the middle in between yourself and teachers. So that, that's kind of where we're coming what the kind of setting things out teachers are time poor obviously we know that I mean we know that you've had um teaching um experience in your career earlier on obviously we're both former teachers but just um right now in the minute uh, in Wales they're also pretty workload heavy and yet they've been tasked with this enormous um job of work to do with curriculum for Wales so Today we wanted to talk to you about what you understand about curriculum theory, curriculum theorising, but in a way, hopefully, that will make it accessible to our listeners, who are of the large majority teachers working in schools, and help them make sense of it. So what do you think it is that teachers undertaking curriculum design really need to understand about curriculum theory? I think particularly if we start with just kind of the, the context of, of Wales. In, in the conversations I've had over the past couple of years with teachers um, about curriculum and, and developing their school level curriculum, um, a lot of teachers seem very, uh, what's a, you know, they're experiencing curricular catatonia. You know, they, they don't know where to start. They don't know exactly what the process is. Um, I think part of the, the problem, part of the reason why that's occurring is because there's not been a lot of groundwork laid for teachers uh, to really engage in the curriculum, in, in discussions about curriculum in general, let alone curriculum development. And so for me, what curriculum theory represents is, um, well, curriculum theory is primarily concerned with analyzing, identifying, interpreting, and understanding curriculum rather than developing curriculum. And so there's, there's, more fundamental questions that curriculum theory tries to engage with rather than questions that we typically find when we are deliberating over how do we develop a, a curriculum. And so these kinds of theoretical investigations inform practical decisions about curriculum development, curricular enactment, as well as the social contexts of teaching and learning. So um, for me, at least, uh, when I think about curriculum theory, I think about these this is activity that involves grappling with key questions like why should we teach this rather than that or how should curriculum content be organized or who should have access to particular kinds of curriculum content when where how and and why and you know other ideas too like we hear a lot about curriculum coherency well what do we mean by coherency and and when we are talking about curriculum what makes a curriculum a coherent curriculum for instance and then some people of course and this, these are kind of my folk the one that I identify the most with are those who say well these are all great questions but maybe the most important question right now is who decides these kinds of things who decides what kind of content um, what who decides what knowledge is and what knowledge isn't those kinds of questions so you can see it's a, it's a really broad spectrum of, of investigation 
And but really what it's organized around is this idea of before we can develop something, we need to try and understand what that something is. And I think curriculum theory is an attempt to understand what curriculum is. Right. And I think that that's probably um, some of the frustrations that we hear from teachers are around actually not about curriculum theory or about curriculum making or any of the um, the research behind that. It's more about the practical challenges of having limited time and having a, a full time day job as well yeah. in order to do this. And I think, yes, I mean, absolutely. This this whole idea of curriculum theory is almost it's the um, precursor in evolution of curriculum then then curriculum isn't it is that step one is what is curriculum what is knowledge what is a coherent curriculum and yeah. like you say I'm not sure that uh, teachers in schools either have even considered those questions but have the um, inclination to consider those questions which yeah. is a difficult situation isn't it so oh, absolutely is there anything that you could suggest, um, you know, in terms of what they should understand about curriculum theory? Because they're only really ever going to be in a position where they're getting a starting point. Are there kind of like some absolute fundamental key principles that they should understand about what curriculum theory is um, in their journey towards making a curriculum? Sure. Yeah. I think, again, from my perspective, I, I see curriculum theory kind of carved up into three general, broad, but overlapping categories. And so the first category would be just curriculum theories. And like, like curriculum theory, these are the attempts to identify, define, or explain curriculum in a very broad and encompassing fashion. And then there are certain ideas about what makes a good curriculum theory, because, you know, there are certain assumptions about what theory does. Mm. And so, um, you know, and, and I like some of the classic, well, most of the classic thinkers in curriculum theory. So I draw a lot of work, uh, a lot of inspiration from thinkers in the 70s, the 80s and 90s, folks like Joseph Schwab and Elliot Eisner and Decker Walker and Hilda Taba and, and uh, you know, and then of course, towards the, the critical edges of, of curriculum theory with Henry Giroux and Peter McLaren and Michael Apple and stuff like that. But Decker Walker put out a really a good starting point for what makes a quote unquote good curriculum theory. And he talked about this concept of, of validity, which is a little too quanti researchery for me, but this idea that if it has theoretical validity, then it's meaningful, it's logically consistent and it's factually correct. And then does it have theoretical power? So how well does it explain or define or identify uh, or predict, I, it predicts a little supernatural for me, or maybe projects kind of an understanding or a model of something. And then how, how serviceable is it? And, and I like to think of it in terms of what is its utility? And that might be kind of my, my pragmatic kind of influence. But when he talks about its serviceability, he's like, how does it resolve curricular problems? Or what is its potential to resolve curriculum problems? And, and so I like to think of it in terms of, of what does it do in the now? Like, you know, how does this uh, curricular theory helped me now with addressing this curriculum problem or, or issue, for instance. And then I think the final thing, which is the one that I think is most underestimated, particularly the one that, that maybe um, teachers haven't been given opportunities to consider and realize within their own practices, is the ethics. What's the morality of a curriculum theory? And so how, how does it go about clarifying beliefs 
How does it go about engaging and negotiating values? How does it relate to educational aims, both immediate goals and objectives in the classroom, as well as broader school level aims, all the way out to the, the four purposes? And in fact, when it comes to theory, I think a lot of folks don't realize that theories involve values, beliefs, principles, as well as mm. logical reasoning and empirical evidence or conceptual evidence or any kind of evidence, you know, any form of evidence. And so I think those kind of four broad talking points to what makes a quote, unquote, good curriculum theory is excellent ground for people to start with in terms of thinking about if I'm going to engage with curriculum theory, what kinds of, of theories are out there that I, I might find useful for my own practice within my own educational context. So the first broad category is theories. Then the second kind of broad category are models, curricular models or theoretical models. And these are theoretical attempts to, again, identify, define, and explain, but they're more focused around types or organizations of curricula and their purposes. So these kinds of, of, of curriculum theory would involve maybe like the, the classic example, or at least the most contemporary example I can think of right now is this idea of a product model curriculum versus a process model curriculum. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last kind of uh, broad category is the, the category that I find the most joy in is curriculum theorizing, which is separate from curriculum theory. So uh, curriculum theorizing represents a shift from product to process or a shift from outcomes to process. So where curriculum theory is trying to generate something and, and produce this thing, curriculum theorizing is really just about what is the process? How do we go about doing this? Can we, can the actual process produce the intended effects that we want without actually having to produce quote unquote a theory? And so curriculum theory kind of represents how to think carefully about real people in specific situations and how to arrive at the most desirable courses of action that can still be carried out under the prevailing conditions or circumstances. So really it's just thinking about, it's bringing things together in a, in, in a purposeful intention to try to make meaning out of what's actually happening. So what is it about curriculum theorizing, the thinking about curriculum in order to use that thinking to um, do something in your school in terms of curriculum making that is so important for teachers, do you think? Well, I think the number one thing is that curriculum theorizing requires that we be sensitive to situations and phenomena and individuals within those situations. So it really is kind of turning us on to this idea of, of being ready to identify, ready to engage, being aware, being on the lookout for things. So we're, we're, we're in the moment, we're, we're present, we're cognitively present, we're affectively present, we're theoretically present, we're, we're just ready to engage. And then by doing that, by that engaging that kind of sensitivity, then we get to identify common patterns, issues, phenomena, and then we can start to relate those patterns that we might observe outside of the classroom to our own teaching or, or new ideas and constructs that we've not engaged in with before that we can then recontextualize within our own educational setting. So I think the, the, the value for theorizing for me is this idea that it, it makes us very proactive in how we come to make meaning out of what we do. And that involves not only understanding whom we're working with, in terms of our colleagues and our pupils, but also what are the values that are being enacted in those spaces? What are the aims we're hoping to achieve? Right, so um, one of the things that I think teachers are particularly concerned with at the moment is that 
um, curriculum designing, curriculum making is, is being squeezed. And I know that there's now a, a, a call for COVID and the implications for COVID for um, schools at the moment, where there's lots and lots of children off, um, to actually call for the Welsh Government to actually um, to delay it again for another year. And we're not going to ask you all about that. Don't <laughs> worry, we're not going to talk about uh, policy. But whilst teachers recognise that they're in teaching because they want to make a difference, so they're in teaching because they um, care about the pupils sitting in front of them, they care that these pupils want to have the best outcomes and that they, as teachers, are supporting them to have the best outcomes or the best process or the best experience, you know, whatever it happens to be as part of their um, education experience. So how would you suggest that teachers and leaders in schools get to a point where they have enough information about curriculum theory and curriculum theorizing to be able to actually do something with it in their school? It's a huge oh, question. Small <laughs> question, yeah, small question. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's, it's a really interesting part of um, your work, obviously, that, you know, understanding what curriculum theory is and understanding all the different models that fit with that and understanding how that affects what happens in mm -hmm. schools. But we've got teachers in schools who probably don't know a huge amount about this and they have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think the biggest issue at the moment is that many schools have jumped straight into unpicking the AOLEs yeah. and they haven't thought about the big picture and, and the steps that go before that. And I think with the time that's left, how can we pull yeah. schools back to actually think about the important things before they move on to those? The so really jumping into those AOLEs, sorry, is, yeah. is that that's an epistemological concern. The way that that we've taken subject matter, for instance, and now have organized them into broader faculties of subject matter. And so that is epistemologically dislocating for a lot of teachers. You know, when we think about teachers and and their role in 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 working with knowledge for instance yeah. and it seems to me commonsensical that teachers then should have a very uh strong epistemological understanding they need to be able to articulate what they think knowledge is how they think knowledge is generated and how they justify those claims if they're really going to start to engage with you know what is it that i want people to know of course, the or how I want my students to know it. And then how does that then contribute to how I make sense out of curriculum? Would that be a really good place to start then is just to thinking about the key terminology that people bandy around all of the time, things like knowledge, skills, experiences, um, concepts, and just make sure that everybody has had that conversation about, well, what do you understand as knowledge? What do you understand as curriculum? Would that be a good place to start? I, I think it would. I, you know, I always go on about with my students and, and every time I have an opportunity to talk to people, I go on about the value of thinking philosophically, the value of understanding different philosophical categories, epistemology, which relates to knowledge, ontology, which relates to, to being and the interactions between individuals and their reality, axiology, which is values, which includes aesthetics as well as ethics, um, th these, all these kinds of bigger concerns. And then looking at the the general philosophies of education as a way to kind of assemble their own philosophical understanding that then informs their pedagogy and their curriculum making. 
the, the, the tricky thing about curriculum theory is it's even the idea, a, a definition of curriculum theory doesn't exist. It's a highly contested concept, this idea of curriculum theory and curriculum theorizing. So what I think is really beneficial for teachers is being able to wade into these conversations about what we think curriculum theory and theorizing is. And in order to do that, they need to have the, the, the tools with which they can engage with these, which, which is basically, uh, you know, engaging with, with, with philosophical ideas about education, about the aims of education, about what we mean by knowledge, experience, etc. So with, with that in mind, what, what do you think about the term knowledge rich? What are your thoughts on that term? I wrote a blog about this on my, my blog that I hadn't written on for a long time, but Whenever I get asked this question, I always preface it with, I am not opposed to knowledge at all in the curriculum. And I, and I certainly, I don't believe in this, like, well, this is a skills-based curriculum. And this is a knowledge-based curriculum. I, I just don't find those conversations helpful uh, because I think it's unwise to separate skills from knowledge. But I always ask people, what do you mean by knowledge? You know, if you're saying this is, we need a knowledge-rich curriculum, well, what is knowledge? Because I feel like, in many conversations, this concept of knowledge rich is, is become weaponized. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, if you look, I did kind of a, a rhetorical analysis on my blog. And, and if you look at like a, a Jeremiah, for instance, which is a, a kind of a, it's a rhetorical device that kind of gives a, an emotional response. And so bring knowledge back is kind of like the make America great again of curriculum. You know, um, it's this idea that we can go back into this glory days, this golden age where knowledge was situated at the heart of curriculum. Well, I don't know if that ever existed. I don't know if anybody could tell me that that ever existed. So then when we say bring knowledge back or knowledge rich, it kind of suggests that a lot of curricula aren't knowledge rich. Well, how do you, how do we know that, you know? And it's also this kind of ideograph in that, <clears throat> like when, when the, and I use the example of the, of the No Child Left Behind Act from the United States. That's a very provocative title for a, for a piece of legislation, No Child Left Behind, because no one wants to see a child left behind, but it suggests that children were being left behind. Well, who are these children and who's leaving them behind? And when we talk about knowledge rich, we're saying, it's kind of in, introducing the same question. Of course, we want knowledge rich. Why are you opposed to knowledge? You know, it, there's a lot of assumptions that are being made uh, in these kinds of conversations. The knowledge rich, I think it's particularly a term and quite a political term that is bandied around on Twitter a lot. And I think that if you're a, a teacher, wherever you are, and you happen to access Twitter and you see this terminology being bandied around, it's not helpful because it's this trads and progressives and, you know, yeah. you're, you're either one end or you're the other end and you can't, you can't, if you're one end, you can't take some of the things from the other end and actually say, well, actually, we like this. It polarises people. But Absolutely. I think in Wales, the term knowledge rich in the general population of teachers, not specifically those on Twitter, I think it may have quite a different um, feel to it than, than it might have in more political spheres. I don't know what you think. I hope so. Only because I feel like the term itself privileges some epistemological assumptions over others. And that, and that kind of privileging can have can introduce potential limits within the schools. It can limit curriculum content because we overemphasize the actual content of the curriculum and not how curriculum is experienced. Or uh, it might, it, it reinforces this kind of a Cartesian duality. You know, we're not just brains in the body. You know, our brain is one of many organs. It's an important organ, um, but it's, it's one way of knowing. Uh, we're emotive 
animals, mm -hmm. we're sensual animals, we're artistic animals, um, we're beings that should be literate in these ways of quote unquote knowing as well. And if we focus on knowledge rich, sometimes I feel like it focuses too much on just cognition, just too much on, on the brain, for instance. Mm -hmm. And when we have these kinds of limits, then we also introduce pedagogical and instructional limits to pedagogical and instructional diversity. And, and I think it's important to separate pedagogy from instructional techniques, because when we, when we bandy around these terms like pedagogy and stuff like that, I think these are one of my very first conversations I ever had with a head teacher in Wales when I came and did some professional development at one of the local consortia was, as they said, and this is a head teacher, they said, can you tell me the difference between pedagogy and curriculum? So they were really struggling to make sense out of, I think they had general ideas about what these mm -hmm. concepts were, but in terms of understanding how they work together, they were really struggling to, to differentiate the two. And, and so for me, when I think about pedagogy, I think about research, for instance. So, you know, when you're writing a piece of research, you choose research methods, focus groups, interviews, quantitative surveys, et cetera. Those are the tools, the instruments through which, or the techniques through which you generate data. But then you have to have a philosophical justification for why you choose those particular methods with the people whom you're engaging with in the context with you're engaging with and in light of the questions that you're seeking to answer. So that's our methodology, those philosophical assumptions. So for me, pedagogy is to methodology as instructional technique is to research methods. So the pedagogy is the philosophical justifications for why we do what we do in the classroom, for why we choose the instructional methods we, we choose, for why we choose to frame our relationships with our pupils and the stuff that we're working with, the, the curriculum content in the way that we do. And, and knowledge rich, I think overemphasizes the ends with knowledge as a product rather than the means, which is knowledge as a process or, or connecting knowledge to knowledge production, for instance. And I think that knowledge rich has certainly been hijacked by politics mm. in England. Mm. And I think it's made, there are certain terms out there that you can't use them or say them without people making assumptions of where you're coming from having those uh, expectations, but talking about your discussion about uh, the assumptions that people make when they're making choices about pedagogy, about curriculum design. So are you saying there that, that subsidiarity then is actually a, a foundational principle of, it should be a foundational principle of all education, or that there needs to be some kind of additional layer in there where people come together and actually make informed and collaborative choices? Well, when you're saying subsidiarity, how do you use subsidiarity? The subsidiarity, we're going on the definition of um, Professor so Graham that, Thompson uh, in Successful Futures. Choices so should be made at the most local level as yes, possible. Yeah. Those are appropriate to the context. So like for me, then, the, I, I love the idea of subsidiarity because it speaks a lot to concepts that John Dewey were writing about, was writing back clear back in the early 1900s, even the late 1800s. But in his book, Experience in Education, which was written in 1938, was kind of a restatement of his ideas in, in education, because what had happened was he, he started writing really rather philosophical. He was writing about education, and he was publishing it in philosophical journals, and it wasn't really getting directly into teachers' hands. And then so what we have here is, is people start to misunderstand, they start to misinterpret, and they, they extend his ideas beyond 
the intention that he originally meant to have them stated. Mm -hmm. And so by the time he wrote Experience in Education, he was really frustrated by this kind of either or approach. So he was saying, yes, traditional education has its faults, but instead of starting from a point of thinking philosophically about aims and of education and processes to, to meet those aims, the, the progressive educators just did kind of a knee-jerk reaction and said, well, if traditionalists do this, we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the hallmarks of a traditional education are such that they privilege the the environment, the external conditions of learning, rather than the internal conditions of the learner, then they're going to flip that on their head and say, we're going to focus on the internal conditions of the learner the most. And Dewey said, well, that's too far in the wrong direction. We we shouldn't be operating off of these either or philosophies. Rather, we should be starting from our own point. What is our philosophical starting point for our pedagogy, for instance? And his happened to be experience, which we could understand more broadly, I guess, as culture as the way in which we make meaning out of our environment and and social relationships. Fantastic. So Jane, do you want to ask the last question? I will ask the last question as you you. sort of preempted what I was going to say. Um, What one piece of practical advice would you give to teachers to help in the curriculum design process? Oh, it's hard to limit to just one. Yeah, no, it has to be just one because I've only got time for one. Okay, here we go. So uh, the big push in Wales is this idea of the national research strategy, engaging with educational research. And, and I think when it comes to all aspects of teaching and learning, but particularly when it comes to curriculum making, it's important to realize that research evidence is not value free. Research evidence says this is what happened here with these people at this time with these things. And it does not say do X, Y and Z and you will have these results. So these are not recipes, you know, Um, and that the evidence does not invalidate teachers' professional judgment. And this is where the importance of subsidiarity comes into play because teachers know their, well, they should know their contexts. They know their pupils. They know their colleagues. They know the communities within which their schools are situated. And so they should be using research evidence as one point that informs other points that they've gathered of of information, of knowing, of being situated, of being positioned within their school. And and I feel like research evidence is only as good as a teacher's knowledge of their pedagogy, of the curriculum, of the people in their context, and of the context itself. So I think if I was to say one piece of advice, I would would say don't overemphasize the import or the status of research evidence, just understand it as one consideration of many considerations that should be used in informing curricular decisions. So don't jump in and do retrieval practice exactly as you've seen on Twitter. Understand what it is, think about what might work for your pupils, try it out and then reflect. Yeah, yeah. And also think about why yourself, should I even be Exactly. Should I do retrieval practice? What is the purpose of retrieval practice? What what would it fix? Yeah. What would it fix in my context? Um, Kevin, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. discussion. Thank you so much for being on the the podcast. It was a lot of fun. Good talking to you again. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Finn, that was really fascinating. It was really fascinating. I think it was, I think we were probably quite right to feel a little bit nervous about talking to someone with such a deep and 
broad understanding of yes. and theory and critical I do realize I was I was very quiet in that podcast but I was thinking and listening very very hard yes yes <laughs> well there was there was a lot of terminology in that podcast that made me drag the, things out from I different know, yeah. parts of my brain you know things like epistemological and um can't even of, say that you gotta be careful yeah there's so there were yes it was a very um focused and fascinating discussion with Kevin about but it also does make you want to go away and read a little bit more into you know things that we've looked into but there are a couple of things I think that was that was interesting let's go away and have a little look at that yes so there's there's quite a uh, a kind of journey isn't there that that Kevin was talking about yeah from you know your starting point as a teacher or a leader within school towards the end of the journey I'm not going to say a finishing point because it's probably never finished but to towards the end of the journey where you understand that there are multiple curriculum theories out there Mm. that all are based on a different set of values, a different set of assumptions uh, about what education is, about what curriculum is, about what pedagogy and so on are, about what the purpose of education is, all of those things. So there's lots of different curriculum theories, but there's also this... um, stage on the journey that is about thinking about all of those different curriculum theories and values that underpin them and thinking about uh, what they mean to you as a person your values your ethics your morals but also what they mean to the context in which you're working yeah, the school the school the, the learners in front of you what's what's appropriate what's not appropriate what what might work what possibly won't it, work or even the choices that you would mm, make in that situation it goes back to a lot of the things that we talk about isn't it it's about going back and thinking about starting with pupil need yeah and thinking about the curriculum design the curriculum model of curriculum theory yes that will fit with where you want your yeah pupils to be but in order to be able to do that with the full set mm. of knowledge behind you you need to go back to you know like uh, uh, earlier step on the journey and think about what is curriculum mm. what are the different curriculum theories out there and that that journey of you know let's start at the beginning what is curriculum what is knowledge uh, what is learning what is education getting all of those real key principles um set in your own mind for the time being because you may change your mind as, of course as well and that journey of curriculum theory thinking about curriculum, curriculum theorising, putting things into action, or maybe thinking about putting things into action, then reflecting on what's happened. I mean, that that is quite a journey. And I think that that, that journey um, is ridden with things like terminology, like knowledge rich, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, cultural literacy, and inquiry learning, and all of those things that I think have been twisted and influenced by, you know, the polarisation that is social media. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's something that we keep coming back to, isn't it? Is the polarisation. We've talked about inquiry learning. Yeah. We've talked about knowledge mm. as being both, you know, different ends in, yeah. in different contexts mm. of, the, of the spectrum. And it's thinking about, you know, what's appropriate. What's appropriate. And it's not about polarising. It's about looking at somewhere mm. in between mm. for whatever context that we the right thing are. at the right time Absolutely. I, I, and we've we've come quite a journey ourselves the two of us 
um, in how we think about learning and the learning trajectory yeah. and how that actually works. And I think that if you talk to most people, most ordinary teachers working in schools, they are almost entirely unaware of the fact that there is this polarised discussion about education being either knowledge rich or inquiry, when the reason that this this conversation, I thought I was fascinating that Kevin said that it, that's been going on since the late 1800s, yeah. early 1900s, that that polarisation is, is actually more down to human nature than the value of those arguments, because the reason that argument is still around means because there is a kernel of truth on both sides. Mm. There is value on both sides. And actually, we do need both that the learning is about knowledge and about discovery that, you know, that both those things are really important. But that journey for teachers in Wales, that's a really long journey, isn't it? Well, we were talking as well that and it was something we alluded to with Kevin is, is about the time that teachers have got yeah not left but mm. you know we've all we've already got 20 september 2022 yeah on marked on the calendar mm. as we need to have been at some point somewhere mm. on the journey mm. by that point but also that with everything else going on in schools i know that school's going back now yeah but it's you know even more frantic with covid and all, and all the operational stuff that's yes. going on yes. at the moment is about you know how much time and space yeah schools have actually got that, that's not to say that this conversation shouldn't start now and just carry on yeah. however we have this kind of competing conversation so we have the conversation that we've just had with kevin when mm -hmm. we're talking about this journey of understanding and processing for teachers so that they can really make informed decisions in the classroom alongside a timeline and a set of expectations from Welsh government where they are actually already defining curriculum for you. It's actually in the um, curriculum documentation. Well, there's lots of definitions within the curriculum documents, isn't there? Yeah. So yeah, they're, almost, they're almost saying that by defining curriculum, they actually yeah. say, a school's curriculum is everything a learner experiences in pursuit of the four purposes. So job there done, you, you don't need to think about that. Mm. So I think the idea that this journey is being short-circuited by a group of people, I think that's kind of a, you know, there's often a discussion that education, education consultants short circuit mm -hmm. the, the journey. But actually what we're doing is we're looking we're at schools who already yeah, have like, you know, sort of, a few months to do what should be a, a career's worth of journey mm. and we're saying well let's make a start let's let's give you some tools mm. to actually but, that but also remembering that, that that schools involved in the pioneer process over the last i've lost track of how many years it is now they've had Six. that much of a more of an input into this side of, yeah. of this side of the discussion all the additional money all the additional you know, the time space and, and, and access time. to you know people like kevin yeah who can help lead them through or yeah. guide them through some of these conversations which i'm not sure if well who 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 is helping uh, non-pioneers to mm. actually do that i think one of the solutions that you can't come up with because i think rather than just sitting here saying oh well, this is a bad situation yeah. let's let's think about how that bad situation could be improved is that having information about what are the five most um discussed curriculum models, theories theories yeah uh, and curriculum models out there mm. you know what values do you think that and maybe having some 
questions that that teachers could use as part of that. I mean, that's certainly something that um, teachers and schools, I think, would find very interesting mm -hmm. is to think about, you know, what, what is Dewey's curriculum theory? Um, what model comes as part of that? What might it mean for me in a school if I were to take that on? What kinds of questions might I need to ask myself? And it's not about schools just jumping straight into thinking about what topics and themes we're going to be doing. Mm. It's about taking those steps right back, isn't it? Yeah. And making sure the foundations of what you've done yeah. and what you're doing are really, really solid. Yeah. And, and Kevin was also mentioning the National Strategy for Educational uh, Research in, in Wales that was announced a few months ago and um, talking about making the teaching profession truly research informed well these are practical mm. um strategies for actually making that happen but one of the things in the the national strategy that came across was that there was very little or none no focus on uh, supporting teachers to understand research that's been out there for a long time none and i think that you know just if they understood a little bit more about curriculum theory and yeah, the curriculum and models around. yeah and that's been around for a long time or yes the the differences between the two models or camps of curriculum theory you know progressive and traditionalist because i think the large majority of teachers who don't use twitter wouldn't even be aware no. that that was an argument and, and i know we do get in that frame of thinking don't we that because we're on Twitter, we think everybody else is on Twitter, yeah. and there's only a very small minority. Yeah, I would suspect that actually do follow that conversation. Yeah, yeah and I think that something that the conversation with Kevin um, kind of highlighted today for me was certainly, yes, I can see where the problem is. Yes, I can see that teachers do, and is practical um, suggestions to teachers be critical consumers mm -hmm. of research. Don't just take it at face value. Ask questions about it. Absolutely, but what that brought to mind for me during the conversation was there's a problem so let's do something about it mm. let's actually get on and not just talk about the fact that teachers don't have the knowledge and understanding and critical decision making uh, based in proper research and uh, understanding they don't have that so they don't have that knowledge that so they what need can we do? so what can mm. we do about it and I think that it's quite frustrating working in Wales sometimes where you've got Welsh government saying, yeah, I know COVID has happened and I'm having a bit of a rant here. I know COVID has happened, but September 2022, yeah, we know it's only a starting point, but yeah, the accountability and assessment arrangements are going to be in place from then as well. So, you know, saying one thing with one in one uh, voice and another thing in another voice and actually um, these conflicting expectations for teachers it's a very hard place to be so let's try and fix it it's like the wheel keeps moving very slowly and doesn't stop it doesn't give people time no no space to actually just look at where they are yeah and think about what they need well, to do kevin was saying the um the um educational policy from america no child left behind mm. you know we could have no school left behind in wales you know i I do think that there are schools that are being left behind. You know, anybody who wasn't a pioneer has had less opportunity than those who were pioneers. And I know that a lot of non-pioneer schools, despite that, have done a fantastic Absolutely. job, but not all have. So we yeah. are in a situation where not everybody has the understanding, the support you, that they need. Well, we've got schools that are years apart yeah. in the amount of input that they've had for Cricket for Wales. Mm. And I know things are 
moving apace mm. this term and we we've you know we can see a, a difference in the amount of school amount of curriculum for well support mm. that we're working with schools yeah. on mm. but this but, is how many years down the line and yes. it's still a yes. completely different set of things we're looking at and as we know uh, from a sketch note i did at the weekend that um government policy in and of itself doesn't actually improve a curriculum it's obviously the teachers and i know that you know welsh government are very aware of that as well but if we've got teachers in schools who are being hamstrung yeah. you know if they don't have what they need in order to improve curriculum and improve teaching learning and improve children's experiences of education then it's not going to make a difference is it? it's not going to make a difference so yeah, so let's let's gather together and make a difference and let's put out information about curriculum theory and theorising and let's get everybody thinking about curriculum deeply. There's an expectation. That is, but just to follow up on this, I know when this podcast goes out, we will be more or less talking about our third Let's Talk Assessment we session. We will, yes. Which will be out and the recordings for that will be available to everybody. Yes, freely available because we put our money where our mouth is. You know, we have freely given up our time to do this. It has taken a bit of time. And all the people involved as well have very, very kindly given their time and their expertise to talk to us about assessment because assessment has the potential to tip Curriculum for Wales over it the does. edge or take it to the stars you know it really does have the power to make it really make a difference so uh yeah if you're not joining us on the 30th haven't been lucky enough to get a ticket it will be out soon after that so that's another thing that we can talk another about. thing to talk about absolutely so keep talking keep thinking and we'll do our very best to support you to do that see you next time take care